You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Here we are, Vox and Hops number 28. Uh, I'm still out on the road. Uh, I'm in my bandwagon right now. Uh, the tour has been amazing. We've been having such a great time at the Hell Over North America, the ultimate blast beat party. Uh, sadly, this past Sunday, Benighted had to fly back home to France. Uh, it was organized this way. They could only get so much time off of work. And, uh, you know, we've been missing them. Uh, Julian and the rest of the boys have just such a positive outlook on life. They're just the coolest dudes to be around. Big smiles, big hugs all the time. We, we deeply deeply miss you so now hell over north america continues with aborted cryptopsy and hideous divinity going on for another two weeks just about uh, tonight we are in redding pennsylvania at the reverb uh, we've had a great week uh, i'm overwhelmed by the generosity of all the vox and hops heads and cryptopsy fans that are supplying some delicious craft brews for me and the rest of the cryptopsy crew on this run this past week i gotta give a big shout out to rob and sophia lutterman who came out in Dallas. Texas at the Gas Monkey Bar and Grill live uh, and brought us a bunch of delicious, delicious beer. So huge, huge shout out to you guys. Aaron Mendiola, you brought me some serious, serious stuff, which I, I just, just finished one while I interviewed uh, Alexander Kendrick, our tour manager slash sound man. And it was a delicious Imperial Russian stout aged in maple bourbon barrels with smoked vanilla. It is absolutely delicious. It is a uh, no more metal by Jester King. What a great beer that was. I have to admit, that is my beer of the week, so thank you, Aaron Mendiola, for that. Uh, last night, we had two girls bring us out some uh, delicious brews. I gotta give a big uh, shout-out to Nicole Elizald and Angelus Martinez. Uh, thank you, girls, for bringing me out some, uh, some, some delicious Space Dust IPAs from Elysium and some Bell's Brewery. They brought us out the, the Two-Hearted Ale. So thank you for all of you who have uh, hooked us up and has been bringing us some delicious brews. Uh, you should definitely come to this tour. If you haven't uh, got your tickets yet, you should. Uh, the ticket links will be in the description, as always. So get ready to listen to the second interview I did on the Hellover North America tour. It's Mike Michek from Broken Hope, The Atlas Moth, and Power Mad. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 28. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Tonight, we are in Chicago. And as you can hear in the background, we got some trains running. (laughs) (laughs) Choo-choo. Today, I'm with Mike Michek. Yes, finally. Nailed it. (laughs) The drummer of Broken Hope. Uh, I met you. You were filling in for Jungle Rock. Yes. And uh, you also play with the Atlas Moth mm-hmm. and Power Mad. Nailed it. Awesome. So uh, what's up, dude? It's been a long time we've uh, seen each other. Last time I saw you was when I came through Chicago on the Cannibal Corpse tour. Oh, that's with right. With Obituary and Abysmal Dawn. And uh, I haven't seen you since then. So, yeah, so what's up? Dude, not a whole lot, man. Been staying busy. Yeah. Holy shit. I totally forgot about that tour. <laughs> that night was a blur. That was a great night. Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. But, man, just uh, staying busy, living the dream. Oh, God. Did I just drop that cliche? <laughs> Gross. Gross. But, man, yeah. I uh, was out with Broken Hope a couple times last year in Europe. Atlas Moth dropped a new record last year, and we were out and about in the States. So, been keeping super busy, man. That was a great tour. Though. The Paradise Lost. Uh... Oh, man. It was a hoot jamming with those guys. Um, they sadly only played shit off of Gothic and Further, but mm. every night they were crushing it. They were probably one of the tightest bands I've ever seen uh, tour. 
like really in terms of uh, all that. And they played the tracks. Walt is such an awesome drummer. And watching them uh, play gothic every night really just made my fucking year. You very graciously brought us some beer to taste. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, uh, I assume, it's from Half Acre Beer Company from yes. Chicago. It's called the Daisy Cutter Pale Ale. Absolutely. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? Oh, totally. And uh, actually, this uh, this Daisy Cutter Pale Ale is probably one of the beers that got me into craft beer. It's one of the first craft beers I had out of Chicago. And in terms of like what a pale ale is, in terms of the hoppiness and the brightness and kind of like the fruity notes on it, it totally changed my perception of what beer could taste like. Awesome. So, so on that note, let, let's give her a taste. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Cheers, brother. It smells uh, very nice, very fruity. It's got an excellent aroma. Oh, and smooth, not too bitter, not, not overly malty. Wow. Very nice. And a little bitterness comes in at the end. It's too. Uh, it's not too terribly drying, but just enough that it's pleasant. It makes you want to take another sip. Yeah, a lot of uh, pale ales or IPAs from the West Coast, more style, tend to be more too bitter for me now. Oh, God, yeah. I've totally got uh, hot fatigue. And I've noticed that with a lot of my craft beer friends over the years because they're so used to drinking all those hefty West Coast double IPAs. You know, how many IBUs can you rack up? And then all of a sudden it's like, I can't taste anything anymore. Hop <laughs> hop fatigue. Is that what you call it? Totally. Like when you get one of those, uh, remember Lagunitas had a really good one called Hopped Stupid that I would totally refer to as just a palate wrecker. Because <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't taste anything after you drank it. Anything after over like... 90 IBU is yeah it's just like it just tastes the same you know all of a sudden start walking around thinking like you ate a bar of soap or some bad <laughs> cilantro what uh, <laughs> what would be the the beer or the brewery that really opened up your mind to craft beer and I would have to say it was stone and it was easily 15 years ago I found arrogant bastard at a little liquor store when I was somewhere out in New York and I was like what is this this bottle looks hilarious it's offensive there's something with devil horns on it and I cracked it open after I bought it, and I had no idea that beer could be that hoppy, that bitter, be so complex. Like, I had been so used to, like, I don't know if you could even do... I mean, Sam Adams' Boston Lager back in the day used to be awesome. Still a great introductory beer, but, like, Arrogant Bastard tasted nowhere near that. So that's really what kind of blew my mind open to be like, oh, yo, beer can be wild. It can be anything. If you uh, had to pick your favorite beer of the moment... Jesus, that's rough, especially in Chicago where the beer scene is so big right now. I don't know but, what's bigger, if it's if it's Chicago's bigger or if Montreal's bigger. Oh, yeah, that's a good That's hard. Yeah, I don't know. Every time I go to Montreal, I find a new brewery that I've never heard of, and everything I have is just amazing. At this local store, this uh, girl that works there was telling me that they get 40 new arrivals every week. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah, they can't taste it all. Dude, man, I'm going to have to check. There's a local place up on the north side of Chicago called the Beer Temple, and they're always getting new shit all the time, so I'm going to have to inquire about their latest uh, imports from Quebec the next time I go up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's obviously Dude Ciel, but there's a whole slew of other ones that are up on the rise, or like a Schlag and um, Shelton Brewery. Really, oh, I've really heard strong, of Shelton. All really, right, all right. really strong stuff coming out of there. I have to talk about Three Floyds. Yes. Because uh, they're also very metal. Oh, God, yeah. And they do a lot of beers for bands. Mm -hmm. So if you had to name, make a beer for Broken Hope with Three Floyds, what would you call it? <laughs> I, I can't take the easy way out and say Broken Hops. Because yeah. that's just being lazy. But, uh, oh, you could go the Dead Hop. Mm -hmm. 
uh, brutalated and assimilated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, else, what else can I think of that'll make flow groan? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Brutal ale and assimilated. <laughs> Brutal ale and assimilated. Oh no, this is getting way too deep. <laughs> Dilation and cold extraction? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's cry- cryo hopped. Yeah, yo, nailed it. <laughs> Do you remember your first experience with alcohol? Uh, probably as a kid. And my dad was always kind of into craft beer and weird stuff, and that's totally how I got into it, was just picking it up around him. And it was probably drinking something like Goose Island, Honker's Ale, or mm-hmm, like, as mm-hmm. I was saying, Sam Adams' Boston Lager was stuff he always had around the house. So just having sips of it when you're at a family party or something and be like, Dad, what are you drinking? Why do you always have that? What is that? And I remember thoroughly enjoying it because I remember people always saying, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's an acquired taste or whatnot. And it's just like, oh, it's kind of always been around. My family always drinks it. Alcohol has always been a communal thing. So it's it kind of picked it up from there. There's something about craft beer and just brings people together. It just touches this nerve of pride that people want to share it with people. Absolutely. I, I, I'm always baffled with uh, the, the support <laughs> that I'm getting on this run of people bringing beers for me to taste them. Uh, it's, it's been really fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, there's something to be said. It totally crosses over with, like, metal culture in itself, that communal aspect, where it's, like, back in the day when you were uh, finding new bands and being like, dude, you got to see this, you got to try this, you got to listen to this. And, like, beer is totally that same way. It's true, yeah. That's, it's really right on the nerve. <laughs> totally. Uh, you do session work for bands in the past. Yeah. Uh, how do you approach doing that, um, learning songs so quickly? When you get thrown under the bus, you know, you got two (laughs) weeks to learn a set. Right. How do you go about doing that? Um, I think it all goes back to not only just jamming to the material over and over again, but looking at stuff that uh, that band or maybe that project has done in the past to kind of get an idea of where they're at, where they want to go. I mean, I even had that going into Broken Hope where it was like, okay, cool, we're going to write new music. Sweet. So the first thing I should do is kind of look back to see what maybe Ryan Stanek was doing on those earlier records try to formulate something around that but then also add my own flair to it mm-hmm. like a big uh, a big way I learned how to play drums when I was a kid would just be to put on records and play to them constantly so kind of taking that same approach when it comes to a project where get into a room let's get that track and let's jam it over and over again try different beats try different patterns try to figure out what would fit the song what would help the song where to lay back where to experiment a little bit so really, it's just it's playing, it's experimenting. Did you always want to start off as a drummer, or were you like a guitarist that fell into drums? Or <laughs> I was actually I was forced into piano when I was in first grade, and did that for about five years. And then after that, I really wanted to play guitar because I had seen the Beatles' A Hard Day's Night, and I was like, oh, that looks uh. like a cool gig. <laughs> and then when I was in second grade, I kept getting in trouble because I was constantly hitting my pencil on my desk without realizing it, and I think that's when it kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, I've got this nervous twitch that I should probably do something with. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a kid were you in school? Um, kind of a class clown, but kind of shy. I didn't necessarily have a group of friends, but I had many acquaintances. <laughs> so so you early on you discovered you wanted to play drums. Uh, your parents were supportive, yeah. I assume? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Since they're cool and they like craft beer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who would be some of your early drumming influences? So after after dropping that little Hard Day's Night quip, definitely Ringo. And from there, I got into a lot of that early British rock. So definitely Keith Moon was up there. John Bonham was up there. 
from that you kind of progress to Sabbath so those early Sabbath records where Bill Ward is just a groove machine then you get into Maiden and you've got uh, Nico doing his really weird jazz things so all of those you kind of did that classic progression where you start with classic rock and then you go to hard rock and then you start doing some proto metal and then heavy metal so then by the end of it I was really getting influenced by those earlier groove drummers and then mix some Dave Lombardo in there <laughs> <laughs> some speed, some spasticness. Do you remember the first time you heard like an extreme metal drummer? Yeah, and I think it was, it had to have been either Morbid Angel or Sepultura, because I remember picking up both Arise and Altars of Madness in the same trip to the record store. Okay. And I think I remember the absolute intensity of Igor's drumming and then the, you know, insane speed of uh, Pete. Mm-hmm. And I think both of them together was just this, like, holy shit, this is what I need to be doing right now. Was it something you thought that you could do? Absolutely not. No, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day when I first heard, like, Slipknot screaming and stuff and all that, I was like, I, I, I'll never, I could never do that. I'll never do that. Like, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. How am I going to do that? Yeah, yeah. So what steps did you get to become the drummer that you are now? Um, definitely jamming to those records, man. It'd be putting on a rise and doing that first track and seeing how far, how many minutes I could get into the song before I just fell off the drum throat. <laughs> and then just simple things like sitting with a practice pad, sitting with a click, as awful as it is, if you're not going to put in the time and effort with practicing and trying to better yourself, then bettering yourself just really isn't going to come, or at least not fast anyway. So that's something, sitting with a metronome may seem boring, but it's definitely changed my life in terms of of getting better, being more precise, getting speedier, all that fun stuff. What What is something about your drumming that you wish was better? Uh, ooh, I would say my independence, trying to get my limbs to do different things at the same time. I'm it's pretty complicated. Of, I can't do oh, that. It's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. I've been listening to a lot of uh, a lot of like gospel drummers, like Eric Moore mm-hmm. and cats like that, who are just watching them fly around this kit and doing a million things with their hands. And it's like, how? how slow down. How are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is the top extreme metal drummer out there right now? Ooh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that flow sitting <laughs> right beside you. No pressure, right? Uh, shit. <laughs> Whose house am I in right now? <laughs> there's so there's so many. I mean, obviously, no no bias here, but I would throw flow in that. But also, uh, I think Ash from Revocation is somebody who I've really been enjoying watching. Uh, John Rice is somebody who just seems to fall into any project that needs a drummer and just fucking crushes it. I've heard he's a big hophead beer guy. I believe is it. Is that the right guy? Am I, am I... I think so. Okay. I mean, most of these days, man, all, all of us seem to be. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I think uh, I think those three, definitely, in terms of pushing boundaries of speed, um, you know, putting new fun stuff in there. Those, those three, definitely. Let, let's take it to another direction. Uh, tour stories. Oh boy! Let's start with uh, your absolute worst experience on the road. Ooh, man! And I was trying to recall this story when I was talking to Justin from Decibel, but I think it was actually when we toured together in Europe, and I can't remember what little bodunk <laughs> <I know>. Eastern <laughs> European shithole it was, but it had something to do with exploded bathrooms that didn't have any toilet seats on them. Yes, that was in Czech Republic. It was in Prague. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, was that at 
what was that mojo for pizza or whatever I don't remember, but it was the fecal party. Oh, the fecal party. That's right. Which is a, a show that they have going on. And yes. And the poster had something to do with a guy serenading a turd out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so horrible bathrooms. Yes. Horrible bathrooms. I think it rained all day. And the venue was partially inside, partially outside. So it was. it was muggy. It was gross. They had to try to shut everybody in and close the big barn doors while we played because it was just so nasty outside. And that was just horrendous. And then I think the showers afterwards were halfway across the city in this weird hostel where it was like a communal shower that had like 12 shower heads in it or something. It was, the whole oh, damn day was weird. I remember that too. That was a separate <laughs> show though. Oh my God. It all blurs together, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> were you on that gig? You were on that gig in the middle of the cornfield. Oh, yes, where it got foggy and it was like Children of the Corn afterwards. Yes, and there was nobody there. No, there was five people and four of them left because they wanted to use our back line and we said no. Exactly. <laughs> the opening band shows up after their set time and they're mad because we won't let them use our gear. Exactly. So they heckled us the whole night. Yeah, dude. Yeah, all four of them. <laughs> all four of them. And then, oh, because we walked out of the bus and we were like, where the hell are we? It's like the venue is right here in this barn. And then we looked down the street and all there was was a dog that made direct eye contact with us <laughs> while it squatted down and took a big old dump. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, uh, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> if you had to pick... Uh, a dream tour. We could do it for, for each of your projects that they'll make it more interesting. Um, Broken Hope on the road with two bands, The Atlas Moth, and Power Mad. Oh, man. Thought about this, especially when you get home for a period of time and then you see other tours coming through and it's like, fuck, I wish we were on that. Oh, yeah, it pisses me off. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm always sitting at home being like, why am I here when I should be doing that? I'm always, ha- I'm always happy for my friends getting big gigs, but there's always that little part inside you that's like, yeah, exactly. I could have been on that. Yeah, I could have done that. I'm waking up and going to work today. <laughs> These guys aren't. Uh, but man, I've always wanted. I've always dreamt of uh, Broken Hope going out with Cannibal because I feel like that would be an amazing tour, especially since they were the first two death metal bands to get signed to Metal Blade back in the day. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I I hate to say it, but I'm a big sucker for legacy tours. Like that Decibel tour that came through, I thought that was the perfect combination of old mo- school morbid meets and new morbid school. and morbid and Cannibal. Yeah. And then these two newer bands, uh, both Blood Incantation and Necrot, which is like the perfect mixture of old school and new school death metal combining. But I'd say definitely Broken Hope, Cannibal, and shit. It's so hard to think of a third one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> It'll come to me as soon as I put this microphone down. The Atlas Moth. The Atlas Moth, man, I feel like Paradise Lost and Soul Sphere was definitely kind of a dream tour. Because in terms of three bands that are so completely different and yet have a strain that kind of runs together that ties it all nicely in a bow, that would be pretty awesome. But... Uh, feel like atlas moth doing something with like neurosis would be mm, incredible that'd be huge. like atlas moth neurosis and sure let's throw converge in there yeah because <laughs> a combination of influences where you have two bands and then that third band is like the the bastard child of yeah, those yeah, two that's awesome, i yeah. think that makes total sense to me and power mad power mad shit you gotta think i'm gonna think old school thrash here power mad with uh here we go let's do two other newly resurrected thrash bands uh demolition hammer and exhorter <laughs> disorder <laughs> demolition hammer yeah oh dude that's awesome yeah. demolition hammer had the best fucking riffs <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh coffee all right because uh for people at home uh you work at dark matter mm-hmm. 
Dark Matter is probably one of the top. What is it? A coffee? Uh, it, we we are a proper roastery. We uh, we source a, roast, and, a roastery. So we roast and source our own beans. Wow. We have, uh, we have direct uh, relations with uh, farms in both Guatemala and El Salvador, working on uh, Colombia and trying to get Mexico in there it's as well. It's all fair trade. Yeah, absolutely. All, all, the, all, the... all the fun stuff. We literally go down to source and deal with the producers directly. Really? Yeah, which is awesome. I've been fortunate enough to go down to our relationship farm in El Salvador, and it's beautiful, man. Grew up on the side of the Santa Ana Mountains. Walking through the coffee fields, picking fresh cherries and popping them in your mouth. You, you got to go down that way. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. It was it was gorgeous. It was a beautiful time. Uh, why do you think uh, dark matters in the top? Roasteries. I think it has to come down to our approach towards coffee, where it's you know not only sourcing honestly, but also roasting honestly. You know, we're not trying to over roast it for the masses. We're trying to roast it to what we feel is the best profile, where we feel the best flavors come out. We like experimenting with uh, with different strains of yeast, with different hops, which gives us an attitude more of like a, a brewery than it does uh, your average coffee shop or coffee roastery. So I think that level of honesty with that level of experimentation is really what kind of uh, sets us apart from uh, any other roastery. Were you always a, a fan of coffee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that was one of my other things growing up with my dad. We would... We had moved out to the Chicago suburbs, but he still worked in Chicago. So it was taking the train into the city with him every day to either go to my grandparents or go to his office. And he would always have his cup of coffee in the morning. So I would always get a little thirsty and want to take a sip of it. And I despised it at the time. <laughs> but you grow to like it. Ooh, beer. We just got uh, a nice delivery. Yes, absolutely. That uh, is Ma- a haul. Michael Wagner. Local Chicago boy just brought us a lot of Three Floyds beer. Uh, great big shout out to Michael. Uh, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate what you just did. You got good taste, dog. What's some music that you're listening to right now? A CD that you're addicted to? Oh, man, that's a really good one. I have, and it was interesting because I was just talking about this with somebody earlier today. I've really been delving back into 70s rock. Really? And kind of just going back to the roots of it all because it's something I really wrote off back in the day. When all I wanted was something heavy, fast, and loud. Mm-hmm. But going back to uh, like the one record I've been jamming by Buddy Miles, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's got the song Them Changes on it. And just really groovy, funky, something with a nice horn section. Oh, yeah. Just going back and listening to all that, man. Something with groove, something melodic, something that you can really feel. And same for like uh, going back to some old grand funk, going back to some traffic, just going old school with it. <laughs> you know what I said? I saw, uh, there's a poster in there. Captain Beyond is playing here. Oh man, it's, it's like the OG supergroup. I know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe that they're even still playing. Yeah, exactly. Those guys have to be ancient. <laughs> Who do you think is uh, the next big band in metal? Coming up in the scene, you know, this may be a cop out because they're pretty huge already. But I think Full of Hell, especially when they drop this new record, is just going to fucking fly the extreme metal flag for everybody. I think their last uh, album, Trumpeting Ecstasy, was a masterpiece. And whatever they come up with next, I'm sure, is just going to absolutely top it. Every time they, we talk about doing tours, what bands we tour with, I always throw their name in. Fuck. Okay, so here we go. So it's Cannibal Corpse, Broken Hope, Full of Hell. There you, there go. you go. We did a couple <laughs> shows in Europe with Full of Hell last year, and I just wish that could have been an entire three and a half weeks. Because mm-hmm. those guys are fucking awesome. Their set is one of the most intense things I've ever seen. It just crushes. Do you have any uh, music vices? Ooh, music vices. Something that... 
you know, a 12 year old. I don't know if you're like that, but you know, the extreme men when you're like in your extreme metal right, period, right. You know, if you like stumbled across your iPhone or I mean, playlist right now and you saw this band on it, you would be ashamed of yourself. I mean, I think a couple things that would, I'm definitely not ashamed of it, but I think shit that would throw people for a loop is first and foremost, uh, the monkeys. Really? Love the monkeys. I think it's <laughs> fucking beautifully crafted pop music that was done so damn well that'll just never be replicated. And I think Frank Zappa can back me up on that quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other one would definitely be Simon and Garfunkel. When I was out on tour with uh, Internal Bleeding, I was jamming their greatest hits so hard. Because I think it's just when you're on a brutal death metal package, it's like, the last thing I need to hear is death metal. So let's hear some fucking 60s folk. Absolutely. I heard there was a lot of stories on that tour. Oh, God, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> you, had, you had interesting drivers? Yes, we had interesting... Do you want to talk about that a little bit? <laughs> oh, my God. So I think the best story about uh, Obi-Wan Pierogi and Baba Ganoush... <laughs> Uh, geez, you can't tour with internal bleeding and not suffer some sort of hilarious brain damage because that was probably the hardest I've ever laughed on the road. But uh, it was definitely, we were getting out of England and there was a detour and they didn't know what a detour was. So instead of following the detour, they simply exited the highway and we wound up in a forest preserve <laughs> somewhere in England, scraping against the cars on the side of the road and crashing into trees. <laughs> You're kidding me. I have no idea. Well, we had to wake up our tour manager, Tomas, because he was the only other one on the bus that spoke Polish other than the bus drivers. We were like, Tomas, Tomas, you got to wake up. We're we're in a fucking forest. I believe Stefano was your sound guy on that. Uh, No, Stefano actually wasn't on that tour. No. He was. We met Stefano on Cal Decapitation, and I love him to death. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Stefano. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I love that man. But that that tour was that tour was hilarious. I got robbed on that tour. No, you we didn't. got lost on that tour. How did you get robbed? Let's talk about that. Uh, we were in Essen, Germany. We were playing Turok. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't feeling too well that night, so I went to bed early, popped some Advil, and I put my backpack out in the common area because I didn't want to sleep with it at night because I just needed the leg room. And one of the bums that was walking around must have watched us key in the code. Because when we woke up in the morning, we had been ransacked. They obviously opened the door, started at the driver's side. They grabbed the GPS. They grabbed my bag. They grabbed the bass player from Internal Bleeding's bag. And a couple of laptops, I think. That's just horrible. And, that's and like we a- didn't realize until woke up in the morning and we were halfway to the next gig. And my passport and my wallet were in my bag. Fuck. What did you, what did you do? Oh, man. So after furiously... Calling all my credit card companies to cancel my card. Uh, my immediate next step was to call my parents and be like, hey, I'm stranded abroad without a passport. So I don't know what to do about this. So kind of had them do some resourcing. Uh, it got so far as they were calling some family that I had in Stuttgart to see if I could stay with them if I couldn't leave the continent. Oh, really? But mercifully, we, we were playing Berlin two days later. So it was a matter of rolling up to the venue and me and Tomas, who was our uh, tour manager at the time, went straight to the embassy. And I had a temporary passport printed in 10 minutes. Oh, wow. You're lucky. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Well, Tomas waited outside because he was of Polish nationality and they wouldn't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> You're so stupid. You must have been unbelievably stressed. Oh, so stressed. Yeah. And then your laptop and all that. Fun. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was a loss. But uh, you live and you learn. <laughs> when you're touring on the road, like that's you, true, that's true. You get you get used to everything under the sun happening to you. That's true. <laughs> so you come out of it unscathed, maybe with a little less clothes. The worst part was, I mean, other than the passport, was the fact that since we were in Essen, 
we had gone to Century Media headquarters a little bit earlier in the day and ransacked their uh, vault. That's right. Yeah. So everything I nabbed from them was in that bag. Uh, <laughs> Lost some pretty double. dope box sets, some good t-shirts, uh, and my passport. That sucks. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm at a loss here. <laughs> what, what would be the best gig that you ever played if you had to pick one? Oh, my God. You know, I think while well, it's a cop-out... To kind of say, like, you know, bringing the European festival circuit into it. Last year at Brutal Assault was definitely a highlight for me. I love that festival. Dude, it's one of the most best-run festivals I've ever played. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's a, for people that don't know, it's like in a old castle. Mm-hmm. Like an, an army barrack. An army barrack, yeah. And it's, like, somewhat, dis- like, destroyed. Yeah. And they, like, just... It's just the best festival. It really is. <laughs> they have like two stages inside where it was like a big courtyard, I mm-hmm. want to say. And I got, there's like all these walls that surround it. Oh, yeah. And they're all like bricks, which are all broken. <laughs> and there's people camping up on the hill and yeah, all that. Yeah. But man, I mean. We, you have to walk down like this long tunnel. Yeah, you have to like really walk through the barrack in order to get to the stage. Yeah, it's, it's from the back, the backstage area. It's just, it's what I played there three times and I'm yeah. always happy when I see Every it time we again. played there, it's ruled. And this past year it was, it was Broken Hope and then Municipal Waste played. Uh, Converge was later in the night. Liabach played. I mean, it's just insanity. It was so eclectic and so amazing. And the backstage area is just like one big common thing. Yeah, one big common area. Super cool too. Huge party, great yeah. catering. Yeah, oh absolutely, absolutely. There's <laughs> a lot of a lot of times at these big festivals, they like segregate different stages to different areas for backstage, or your backstage is like all these little tents. Like if, if you've done Hellfest or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's, it's all really isolated and separate. It's like a literally a maze of tents and trays. Yeah, whereas <laughs> Brutal Assault, it's just one big open thing, so you get to see the headliners, you get to see everyone. Exactly. It's like a big medley of uh, awesomeness. Oh, it's a party. <laughs> I mean, we ran into uh, we ran into Ross Dolan out there, and he wasn't, Immolation wasn't even playing that summer. He, he was just fucking hanging. He was on vacation. Yeah, he yeah. was on vacation, just hanging and chatting with everybody that he knew. I we, loved that. Two, two, three years ago, <laughs> we had a few shows cancel. So we just went straight to, to Brutal Assault and we hung out there for three days. Oh, that's so legit. I mean, that sucks, but that's so awesome. We got, we got, we got, we had a lot of fun. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, Cirque, Elo, and Tam, and Ulf. Nice. Which is our alter egos when we had too much to drink. Uh, <laughs> definitely overindulged on some of those days. Oh God. But it was super fun. We got to see a bunch of bands. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Dillinger Escape Plan. Uh, Ooh. I'm jealous of that. Cataclysm, our boys from back home in Montreal. Yeah. 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 It's always good to, to cross friends at festivals. This is actually the best part of it is when you get to cross. Oh, exactly. People you haven't seen in so long at a festival. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Watch them shred and then just drink it all away afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add? Something, uh, stuff you got coming up? You want a promo? Man, um... I mean, in terms on the Atlas Moth front, I mean, we're going to be laying a little bit low, and I think we're going to be writing uh, the follow-up to our last record this year. So I'd say definitely stay posted for that. And since this will be coming up after it's announced, um, Broken Hope will be heading to Japan with Immolation for three or four dates in September. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. So I'm supremely looking for that. I think it's both of our first times over there. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going in... In July, I, I, Japan is. I've only played it once, and I was there for a weekend. Oh man! I played Loud Park. We I feel there, like that's so not long enough. We got there on a Friday, and we left on the Sunday. So I'm 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 excited to see more and be more. 
like submerged in the the culture, which is just so different from here. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a lot of that, that's something that a lot of people who haven't toured don't realize is the fact that oh, you get to go all these cool places, and it's like, yeah, I'm usually in the boondocks. I'm there for twelve hours, and I don't see anything. That's right. <laughs> Mostly, you, you like see it in the distance sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And you cross like three, four train tracks, and then there's the venue. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I'm happy that you came out. Yeah, you thank brought you for me having good me. Beer, spoiling us. <laughs> um, always fun seeing you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, likewise, we're going to continue hanging out, but uh, not with you guys listening. So, nope. cheers, everyone. <laughs> cheers, y'all. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I love meeting friends that I've toured with before on the road and then getting to catch up with them in their hometowns and just, uh, you know, bouncing the shit off back and forth uh, like as if we were on the road again. It's it's one of my favorite things about touring is catching up with people. Love Mike. Uh, I wish him all the best in all his projects. He's a very busy little drummer dude, and he's a, he's a super fun guy, and we had a great, great night after the show, and uh, it was fun. It's fun. I hope to see you again soon, Mike. Uh, coming up on the podcast next week, uh, I have my interview, which I conducted in Denver in the basement backstage area of the club that we were in, the Marquee Theater. It is with Dave Otero, who runs Flatline Audio, which is an amazing recording studio. He's worked with a band such as Cephalic Carnage early in his career, and now he's at the helm uh, uh, for recording the recent and upcoming Cattle Decapitation record. Uh, so check all that out next week, Vox and Hops, episode number 29. As always, uh, I just want to give you guys a big thank you. I can't believe the support I'm getting, the amount of people that are coming up to me at the show saying that they've been listening to the podcast, people that are just showing up, not even asking for guest lists, just providing me with some beers for the podcast. I really, really appreciate that. But if you would like to get a free ticket... And bring me some craft beer in exchange. You can check that all out on the Cryptopsy Facebook page. Just give us a, a private message or send me a message and we'll hook it up for the shows that are remaining on this tour. It's almost over. We're about, you know, two weeks out and then this tour is over. Get your tickets. You don't want to miss this. We've got some amazing big shows coming up. The Brooklyn and we got Montreal. we got Quebec City. we got Toronto. We're super excited to hit all these big markets. It's been fun. Uh, do not miss uh, this tour. Get your tickets. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads. I'll see you next week. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.